away we go with another installment of Dose of Dog presented by M. Mark here in Eau Claire. Remember, check them out. Social media, stop in as well. Uh, we'll give them a free plug, by the way, because it, you know, it doesn't hurt. They're right near the high V. So sometimes when you, you get out of the car and you're walking into M. Mark, you'll get the smell of the bakery. Just one of those added little benefits. Uh, yeah, yeah, you get here as well. So when you bring your dog for a, a doggy class or dropping them off for doggy daycare, treat yourself maybe. Head on over, get yourself a, a, a baked good as well. Uh, we've got Heather with us as always. And don't forget, go back, listen to all of the great episodes that we have. Uh, going back now over two years. Wow, of- two years. Uh, for for that, and I know Heather's got plans to to update some and whatnot, mm-hmm. but a lot of the stuff still very very relevant, and it is kind of interesting too. Uh, you go back to the woods two years ago; it is a bit of a time capsule into <laughs> uh, into the days of the the pandemic. True. But, uh, today, uh, Heather, you know, you, you've talked a lot over the years over uh, you know walking and going out with dogs and interacting with dogs out and. I know today's kind of a, an intriguing one. Uh, the, the whole concept of it's okay, he's friendly, <laughs> which we all experience when you're out and about and there's a dog there, a dog's running up to you, you're out in the neighborhood, more and more people out as the spring and summer months mm. come and a dog starts uh, getting all antsy on a leash and whatnot. So take us through here this, uh, this topic. Oh, if you want to rub someone the wrong way... You just say, my dog's friendly, as the dog is overtly bum-rushing your leash dog. (laughs) Um, That causes a lot of strife in the dog world of people walking their dogs. Um, And it, oh man, I don't don't know if it's it's that people want their dogs off-leash more, or they just don't have a leash with them, or they make the assumption that everyone wants to play with their dog, but... It just seems to me that this is happening so much more frequently. I mean, that's the word from clients of mine and kind of regardless of whether they live in like a tight packed urban setting or more of a, you know, kind of not rural, but but more um, outside of town setting. But it seems like a lot of there's a a lot of people that are kind of being bombarded by off-leash dogs and and, and and oftentimes these people in particular have dogs that aren't really friendly with other dogs. And so it's a huge problem, I think. And and it's a problem in, in a lot of different ways. It's a problem because a lot of these people that perhaps are walking their dogs on leash are currently working through maybe some behavior modification with their own dog to make them more comfortable walking around other dogs. And, you know, one you know, intrusion by an off-leash dog kind of coming up to their dog can kind of really set them back. So I think it's it's something we don't really talk about. And and I think from both sides, right? So today I, I, I want to kind of talk about if, if you're the person that says your dog is friendly or you're the person holding the leash of the dog that's really uncomfortable with dogs um, approaching them. I think it's relevant that we talk kind of about both sides and why what you can do if this happens and why it is so problematic when when dogs are off leash and they're allowed to kind of bum rush. Um, and, and I bet, oh gosh, I bet everyone listening has a story or two or three <laughs> that they can tell about their dogs being bum rushed by off leash dogs. And it's not always it's not always intentional. I mean, I think, I truly do think sometimes dogs get off their leash or out the front door or, you know, they, they bum rush other dogs, but, but it is a big problem. And it, 
like I said, can really set people back. It can set the dog back. And then I think emotionally kind of set the person back if they've made some good strides and in beginning to, you know, lower that threshold with their dog being around other dogs. It can, it can really set them back. And it's a lot of work to kind of work through some leash reactivity stuff with dogs. So, so let's talk about first why it's a problem. So, I mean, obviously it's a problem. Those of you that are listening are dog people and you know it is a problem (laughs) because things don't always go right. You know, it's not always a dog fight that ends up in puncture wounds or the human getting bit, but sometimes it is. Um, But sometimes it's just a bad experience. And if your dog's really sensitive to their environment, that can really, you know, set the stage and, and have a big impact on them. So, you know, I realize that a lot of people do have friendly dogs. Um, and their dogs are really good with other dogs. But by by when your dog is inadvertently or intentionally <laughs> running up to another dog and you say, it's okay, he's friendly, it's a problem. And, and I think it's also problematic because it makes, it's drawing on the assumption that your dog and this unknown dog have a relationship, which clearly they don't. <laughs> um and your dog might be friendly, but that dog might be really, really uncomfortable with other dogs coming up to them. Um, and 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 like I said, it can it can it can ruin both parties. I mean, the dog that is leashed that is walking past the house, um, that dog can have you know single tr- trial learning where maybe they get in a tangle with your dog. But you're also putting your dog at risk. So if your dog is the off-leash dog that's running up to another dog, you don't know the history of that particular dog. Um, You know, if they're really fearful, if, um, you know, that dog reacts in a way that is aggressive, your dog could take a bite. Um, Your dog could get tangled in the leash and get injured. Or, I mean, there's so many things that can happen when when your dog is off-leash and they bum-rush other dogs. So... I think, you know, if, if you are the person that, that feels like your dog should be have, should have off-leash privileges outside of your own property, you know, do it in a place where you know the dog can be safe, whether you're in a fence space like a sniff spot. Um, they're on a long line. I mean, my gosh, if you want to have your dog off-leash and you're not sure that their recall is solid, which I'm going to say right now, most people's recalls are not solid. <laughs> Um, especially around other dogs. A long line is such a great tool to use. It's physical, so you can pick it up um, and kind of get, you know, stop the dog from, from moving forward. Um, dogs t- can still have a ton of freedom on a long line where they can move and they can run and they learn really quickly how to maneuver that leash behind them and run with it. But it's a big, huge safety piece where if the dog does start to go a direction you don't want them to go, you can step on it. Um, I usually say at least a 25-foot long line is a great tool to have. And you've probably heard me say that a million times. I really like the biothane ones, the ones that are like a uh, a, a faux rub, rubber leather kind of a feeling because, you know, we have a lot of weather in Wisconsin and they can get wet and snowy and they still clean up really nice. Um, and so a long line is great if you have a dog that, that maybe they are friendly when they meet other dogs, but you don't want them to be harmed by the dog that's walking either. Um, a long line is a really great tool. Um, now, if it's a if it's a problem like your dog is bum rushing out the door when you open it, that means you need to go back to the door dashing podcast um, and listen to how to put some preventative measures in place so your dog doesn't bum rush out of the door. So uh, for, for those of you that have dogs that you want to be off leash and 
they might have a history of kind of running up to other dogs. A long line is a great tool. They can play fetch and they can play tug and they can run, but you still have control over them. So a long line is a great tool um, to utilize. You know, and the other problem too is that a lot of dogs are possibly behind an electric fence, which you can't see. And electric fences don't prevent other dogs from running into your yard. And so again, a long line is a great tool because you can stop that dog from running into a space where, where they... Um, maybe will be a safety concern. So if you are the dog that says he's friendly, um, um, please make sure that your dog doesn't run up to other dogs. It's just so, it's so disrespectful. I mean, we wouldn't do that in public. You know, I wouldn't, you know, see someone in Target and go running up to them saying, it's fine, I'm friendly, and, you know, go hug them. I mean, that would be inappropriate if you think of it in, in, in like the human context. So, uh, Long lines. Again, I, I, I love a long line for so many reasons. Uh, what about if you're walking your dog? So, you know, lots and lots of my clients out there, especially my behavior clients, are out walking dogs that maybe have some fear issues around other dogs, some some rehearsed reactivity around other dogs that we've been working through. Um, and they're slowly kind of keeping some data on, you know, the distance and closing that distance and, and kind of monitoring their dog's reaction and reading their body language. And, and really participating in how that dog feels as they're kind of closing that space between them and another dog. But it's inevitable at some point that there is going to be an off-leash dog that comes running up to you, whether it got loose from someone, whether it, you know, ran out of a fence, a gate was open, a door was open, whatever it may be. So what can you, as the person walking a dog, um, do to kind of protect yourself and your dog? And and I'm not, I'm, I'm going to say actually you know, I talk about people walking reactive dogs, but this could be any dog. Um, you know, even like my super duper socially stable tassel, <laughs> um, who doesn't mind anything really, like nothing kind of, um, you know, unsettles her. Um, I don't want her bum rushed by other dogs too, because I want to keep her social stability. Like she's fabulous reading other dogs and giving other dogs body language. Um, but I would protect her space as well. Um, so what can you do if you're walking? You know, there's a, um, uh, uh, it's, it's such a panic. I think when you have a dog that you feel like is going to react and another dog runs up to them. And so what can you do? So my first kind of go-to is treats on you. So do you have, if you have treats, which all of you should be walking with treats, so you can reinforce good behaviors. <laughs> um, can you toss a handful at the oncoming dog. So if a dog is coming up to you and they're they're bum rushing, can you take a handful and kind of throw it in their face? And some dogs, that'll be enough to distract them. So some dogs, you, know, you take the typical Labrador um, who loves food, that enough might be enough to distract them. And then they're going to eat that little pile on the food while you kind of create distance between you and that dog. Possibly the owner can come out and grab them. So treats are a good way um, that, you know, we talk about carrying them with your own dog, of course, but a really good thing to just have that will be kind of your first defense if you can toss that in an oncoming dog. And I would say most of you can probably judge if that dog coming at you is coming at you with intent to harm or is the dog just, you know, just barking, um, you know, because you're near their space. So a handful of treats kind of right at them. You sometimes will take their attention away. Um, and then they'll, they'll happily eat them on the ground while the owner can kind of grab the dog or, or you can create space or whatever that might look like. Um, so tossing food. If you have another person with you, 
So if you're walking with another person, I always say it's good to have another leash. I even with myself carry an extra slip lead just in case I can grab that dog and create distance from my own dogs. Um, so if you have another person with you, um, if they can kind of redirect the dog and get them away from your dog. Now, granted, that's if the dog is human friendly, of course. Um, you know, it's the happy dorky golden that got out of the fence and is just kind of happily coming up to you. Um, it might be easy for, for your other person to grab that dog if they have like a slip lead or something to move that dog away. Um, so those are kind of the, the easy ones to use, but that's not always how it's going to go down. Um, you know, that other person can help body block the dog. Um, I had a dog come at us. This is a long time ago when I had a dog named Scout when she was a puppy. I was walking her downtown. I lived in Southern Wisconsin at the time. And, um, there were two dogs parked at a bank and a, a big dog and a puppy. And the dog got up in the window and the window went down. So the dog got its paws up. So the window came down and both dogs came out, at, came at us. And I had this, you know, 12 week old puppy um, that I picked up, which probably wasn't a brilliant idea at the time. Um, and I yelled at that dog to sit probably in my like biggest voice. And the dog looked at me like, whoa, the puppy I think was terrified of my big, loud, scary voice. Um, and at that point, the people that were coming out of the bank and they were able to grab their dog who had jumped out of the window across like three lanes of traffic <laughs> to come um, to see us. Um, and nothing happened, but at least that big, scary voice and kind of getting into their space um, made them back up a little bit. And it was this dog was a lot bigger than than mine at the time. So um, treats is always a good way. You can use your voice. Sometimes that isn't going to work. A couple of other like physical things that you can use. Um, I've never used an umbrella, but a lot of people will carry an umbrella with them. You know, the umbrella with the little button that you can just kind of pop open. So some people um, will will touch it and then it will pop right open. And that kind of startles the dog that's coming at you. It also creates a physical barrier um, that you can kind of use to to kind of um, block your dog from the other dog. Now, a couple of things to remember with that, practice it at home first. <laughs> so um, if a dog is charging you and you pop an umbrella and your dog's never seen that, they're going to be terrified. And now you have kind of a double whammy of the umbrella is terrifying. There's a dog coming up to me <laughs> that is equally <laughs> scary. So, and you don't want the dog to associate the scary popping of the umbrella with some with another dog coming at you. So I would condition that and make it a happy thing first before you actually put it into play. Um, but that's an easy thing to carry. You know, they're not huge. You could probably stick it in your back pocket. Um, you know, just make sure it's ready to go and the little button kind of pops out. I mean, they make some pretty little umbrellas that you can get um, that are pretty easy to, especially if you have to pick your dog up. Um, usually we say don't pick your dog up, but gosh, in a situation where your dog would be at risk, certainly pick your dog up. And that's where an umbrella is really helpful because you can kind of, um, use the umbrella as a little physical kind of a body block, um, for that. So if you live in a space where dogs are problematic, that's a really good thing to carry. Um, the other thing that, that, um, I recommend to a lot of people is something called a pet corrector. And it's basically, a can of forced air. It's under really, really, really high pressure. And what comes out, it's really loud and it's air that comes at them. Um, the auspices in which it's made to use as a correction, I disagree with. <laughs> so the way that they, the, the company actually recommends you using it for like correcting behaviors, I think is utterly ridiculous because you're not actually teaching your dog what to do. You're scaring the shit out of it. And that's 
not a good way to train dogs. Um, but the pet corrector you can use for oncoming dogs. So again, it's a can. It's probably the size of like a, a can of hairspray, like a largish can of hairspray. Um, and so you can carry that in your pocket. It's made by in the co- I think it's made by the, in the company of dogs, and uh, that makes a really loud like hissing noise. So dogs coming at you, you can utilize that, and it kind of freaks them out. But again, the caveat is that I want you to to start to teach it to, to your dog first, and associatively pair it with something good. Because again, you know you're on a walk, a dog is coming up to you you spray this loud, scary thing. You don't want your dog to be terrified. And now there are two triggers (laughs) that are utterly scary. So with the pet corrector, I would do the same as the umbrella. I would, I would condition it. I would, I would associatively pair it with something good before you ever use it. So what does that look like? Um, You're going to have to get an extra can (laughs) or just canned air. Actually, you can get the cheaper version that you'd spray your keyboard off with um, at like the office supply store. So you might start with it in another room, make the noise, pair it. So drop like a little scatter feet of something good. Um, Maybe the next day it's five feet closer to the dog. You're now like halfway through the kitchen. The dog's in the living room. Spray it. Something good happens. So it's a slow process. And I think actually someone was telling me that you can get that sound um, on like you can Google the sound and you can actually play the sound on your phone, which I mean, we can do anything on our phones these days, right? Um, but you could, you would slowly start to decondition or, or condition, I guess, um, that sound meaning something good happens. Um, because when it's ne- right next to you, it's really loud. It's kind of scary. So the pet corrector is a good thing to, to haul with you. It's a little bit bigger. Um, you know, it's probably a little bit bigger than an umbrella to carry with you. Um, you know, but if you have like a fanny pack or something that, or a, um, something where it's kind of easily accessible, it's like when you're backpacking, you have your bear spray, right? And it's right really close to you if you're hiking in spaces where there, um, <laughs> where there's a lot of bears around, you have it handy. It's like right there, ready to rock. So again, with the umbrella and the pet corrector, make sure that you're, you're teaching the dog that it's not a really scary thing, that when you use it, the sound is going to be utterly terrifying to your own dog because, you know, you're putting them, that situation is, is scary. You're, you're hyped up. We tend to put a lot of pressure in the leash, which sometimes freaks the dog out. Now you've got this weird spray stuff that's loud. So that whole context is actually kind of terrifying <laughs> for a lot of dogs. So practice those things first. And, you know, the pet corrector isn't going to help or it's not going to hurt the offending dog, which isn't our intent. You know, it's usually not the dog's fault that they have charged you. It's usually, you know, some kind of management has failed on the part of the human, (laughs) um, the human owner of that dog. Um, You know, some people will carry like mace and pepper spray. I just think that gets really messy. I just think you have the potential to hurt your own dog. You have the potential to hurt yourself. I mean, when dogs come at you, it's a tangle and man, they move quickly. And getting your leash tangled or your dog tangled in your leash or they're stuck in a position and you have, um, you have utilized, you know, pepper spray. Um, I mean, that could just go down badly, you know, and you don't want to get it in your eyes. You don't want your dog to have to end up at the veterinarian for that. Um, so that can be something kind of scary. Um, I would say so, uh, you know, I, I, I think the pet corrector is, is a better option cause it's not, it's not going to hurt anyone. <laughs> you know, hope, the hope is that it scares the other dog away. And I know that that's aversive to that dog. But in the situation, I would protect my own dog, I guess, first. Um, and the, the pepper spray, like I said, can can 
be pretty painful to whoever is coming next to you. So, um, so we kind of went through treats. So an easy one is treats, just toss treats at them using an umbrella or a pet corrector um, are easy, easy kind of things to do. Um, another thing that I think works really well, if you can find something, um, if a dog is coming near you, and this is something that I have people with reactive dogs practice before they actually utilize it, is to hop up on something. So teaching a little like up cue, whether it is on a rock, a stump, a set of stairs, a retaining wall works really well. A lot of spaces that you walk might have like retaining walls. Um, as the dog is coming at you, even when you're passing other dogs, one thing that's often helpful is just teaching them a little up command um, so that maybe a dog is passing or maybe a dog is off leash and you can elevate your dog somehow so they're not on the ground with leashes tangled and things like that. They can go up on like a tall retaining wall, a picnic table, a uh, a chair, a rock, you know, you're more likely when you're out walking kind of in public settings to find, you know, a rock or a statue or a stump or a park bench or something like that. And that kind of allows them to be up and then allows you to be able to body block that space a little bit more effective or toss treats away from the dog, make it a little bit more effective. You know, sometimes eye contact between dogs is kind of what will escalate them and, and body positioning of how the two dogs are standing. And so elevating them, in a space where they don't have the capacity to possibly make eye contact is sometimes kind of helpful. So if you can do a quick look around and you see, you know, a big rock that is a, you know, a piece of landscaping somewhere somehow, um, that's an easy way to kind of elevate them so that maybe you don't have an interaction that, that, that could go wrong. So that might be kind of an easy, an easy thing to do. So, so, you know, and, and I think, people that walk dogs that have some reactivity issues, you are kind of hypervigilant about your environment and you are always kind of looking for, for spaces that you could kind of do some prevention with your own dog. So um, that's something to always consider. But, but again, teaching it first. So teaching them how to hop up on something is a, is a good skill to kind of have if you're out and about. So that, keep that in mind and keep your eyes open for things that, that look like something that they could possibly hop up on. So, you know, this is all, a lot of this happens in more urban settings. So, you know, my go-to for a lot of dogs is just find spaces to walk where you're not going to encounter all this, <laughs> which is getting harder and harder. I feel like it's getting harder and harder because a lot of people are out with their dogs. Um, you know, we talk a lot about sniff walks and having giving dogs some more freedom, but that doesn't mean your dog should be off-leash in an urban setting where they can bum rush other dogs. And so I think for people that they find this to be very troublesome, finding spaces to walk their dogs where they don't, where they're just going to be safe. They don't have to run into other dogs. They're not going to have dogs coming out from, you know, houses and fences and things like that. So looking for spaces that you could, could walk them. So what would they, what would that look like? I mean, everyone that's listened to me knows I am a huge proponent of Sniff Spot. So Sniff Spot is an app on your phone or you can find it online um, sniffspot.com, I think all it is, and it will find safe spaces for you to walk your dog on. So um, when you go onto the Sniffspot app, you can type that you live in, you know, Eau Claire or Minneapolis, and it will tell you the spaces around you in which you can walk your dog. And when you're in those spaces, there aren't other dogs around. So when you're renting a sniff spot, there are no other dogs that you are going to encounter in the time that you have rented it for, which is so fantastic because you feel safe, 
the dogs get to play. You get to kind of relax with your dog, which is what we're all looking for on a walk, right? <laughs> so Sniff Spot is a fantastic place to, to be able to walk your dogs. Um, and they're all over the country. So my gosh, if you travel, they are all over the country. Um, you just go on, you, you log in, you find a spot that you'd like to rent. Um, some of them are fenced. They're going to tell you all the information that you need. Um, are they fenced? Are there dogs around? Where are the dogs when, when you book that sp particular space? Um, so, and there's some really great spots around, um, even our area here in the Midwest. So check that out. That's just a s fantastic place to be able to walk dogs that, that are worried walking in settings where there could be other dogs around. So Sniff Spot is, of course, my number one spot. Um, but, you know, you pay for that, and, and it's not a big fee, but sometimes that can be troublesome for people. So public lands, I mean, hey, y'all, they're free for all of us. So um, looking up public lands around you, you know, obviously during here in the Midwest gun hunting season, you would avoid some of the small game seasons, avoid trapping season. I mean, knowing all when those things are occurring is helpful. Um, but there's a lot of pockets of public land around that no one knows about. <laughs> um, and some of them are acres and acres. I know just up from my own house, you know, there's a 674, I think 674 acres of public land about six miles from me, you know, 12 miles from me is like 1200 acres of public land. So there's a lot of pockets everywhere. And typically there's not a lot of people on them and they're vast. I mean, you walk 1200 acres and someone's starting at the South end and you're starting at the North end, you're probably not going to run into each other. Um, and again, a long line, there's usually a lot of wildlife cause there are more wild spaces, you know, that, that, um, not a lot of humans are at. So typically more wildlife. So a long line, um, even just walking the edges of it is, is a fantastic place to walk your dog. Um, so seeking those out country roads, I mean, gosh, you know, we have here in the Midwest, at least, I mean, you drive out of town and you can have eight, you know, miles of country roads, um, to stop on. So even stopping on a country road, I mean, you know, most, I live rural and usually between farms, there's about a mile, I would say most of our blocks <laughs> are often about a mile. And so just finding it, driving around a little bit, you know, checking out some spaces and then stopping and just saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to walk from here to there. Obviously, I would do a little drive through to make sure there's not homes with a lot of loose dogs. There is a farm up from us that has six or seven loose dogs that come at you if you're on a bike. Um, and so, so kind of, um, stalking, I guess I would call it researching, right? Researching the properties <laughs> to see if there are dogs off leash, but those are great spots. And we have lots of that around here. Um, you know, you just start driving out of town, you're going to find some spots. You can just park and just walk along the road and man, there's a lot of good smells in the ditches. So a great spot to walk. Um, you know, you can kind of keep your car close to you so that if you need to circle back, you could always um, get back to your vehicle. But there's a lot of like wide open spaces that you can probably just walk your dog along, along you know, country roads. Um, as long as you, you've kind of, I guess, um, looked at it beforehand to make sure that there's no other dogs. Um, I don't know if anyone uses a gazetteer anymore. We used to use that a lot for road biking. But um, even looking on a, a, a ma uh, mapping kind of app to look for open spaces that you'd be able to walk your dogs. Um, we have a lot of that around here, you know, typically like the county parks and things like that. On off times, you'll probably not run into off-leash dogs, but I would say even in our county parks, you're going to find a lot of people with off-leash dogs. Um, you know, maybe they just think their dog should be off-leash, <laughs> which is great if they have a good recall, but that typically isn't always the pro, that typically isn't always true. So, 
walking dogs on long lines, again, is a, is a much better idea. So hopefully when you, y'all are walking your dogs out this spring, you've got some strategies kind of in your back pocket to help you um, mitigate any dangerous situation. Obviously, if there is a dog that is problematic, I mean, then I would, you know, talk to the people, get the authorities involved somehow. Um, if there's an animal that's not safe, that is a perpetual um dog that is causing issues in this particular in your neighborhood or whatever it might look like um but but thinking about some of these things and and what would be worthy for you to carry with you um and and spaces that you can walk maybe coming up in the warmer months um hopefully will help some some of you with a little bit of prevention and help you enjoy your walks a little bit more